Shegulola Salami Show, a podcast show set in a virtual cafe, and I'm Shegulola Salami. Um, I hope you're all doing very well today. Um, today's just been a really chilled out day for me. Um, we're doing mother-daughter bonding and just relaxed in, um, and I hope you're having a relaxing day as well um, yourselves. Um, anyways, who have I got here with me today? This is Corey Poirier. And uh, I guess uh, my sort of uh, background, I'm a, uh, well, I, on the business side, I'm a professional speaker. And uh, so I spend a lot of my time speaking across North America. And uh, on the personal side, I'm a father to a seven-month-old and um, boyfriend to my girlfriend, Shelly. And I'm a yogi. I like to practice yoga and musician and I perform stand-up comedy so I certainly uh, carry a lot of a uh, lot of different hats and and the speaking is sort of my uh, my passion well nice to nice to have you here um Corey um so what would you what can I offer you in my virtual cafe so uh I am uh, I, I like I'm just a we'll say a plain drinker or whatever and and so for me I um, I just would love to have maybe even a an apple juice or an orange juice I know it's pretty boring or plain but uh, but yeah so I'm just uh, I'm just a regular dude. Okay, how about I give you pineapple juice instead? That sounds a bit more interesting. Yeah, that that works for me. I, uh, yeah, I like to make it interesting. And, and like I said, I know apple and orange are kind of boring. So pineapple juice sounds good. Okay, fabulous. So whilst I'm letting the little human go and get the um, pineapple juice, we're actually, you're going to say hello. All right, little human, you can say hello now. Hello. You're going to say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. How are you, everyone? How are you, everyone? Good. <laughs> hello. Hello. How are you, everyone? <laughs> okay right so we've done we've, we've had our turn now um okay so um she's gonna go get the thing so you're a dad seven months old that sounds interesting yeah it uh it well it's interesting it's new it's uh it's challenging and it's a lot of fun uh there's a whole lot of uh what it is uh, so far that we've learned and uh, and I travel a lot, so it's also um, it's it's hard as well. So yes, it's it's all those things. Has being a dad been anything you imagined it would be? <laughs> That's a great question because you know when we when we when we're growing up and we see people or our own parents or other parents, I think we have this kind of idea of what it's like. And mm -hmm. then as we get older, we see people raising children, and we're like. In, in all, all honesty, in full disclosure for me, uh, you're like, why, you know, they seem to be making it so hard. Why, why did they make it have to make it harder? And then when you're doing it yourself, then you realize it is one of the toughest jobs you'll ever have. So it, it's, I guess it's what I figured it would be like, but only when you're doing it yourself, you realize it's even more challenging than you thought. Um, but at the same time, as rewarding as you've heard it is. Definitely, definitely. Well, congrats, you, you know, latest, well, not latest, um, well, at least you're the latest dad I know right now, so congrats. And I, I hope you find the most difficult, most rewarding job, um, everything you um, ever wanted it to be. It definitely changes you completely as a human being, so enjoy. <laughs> 
I, I sure will. And I have to give a little bit of a, a plug or a shout out to my girlfriend because where I travel so much and I'm on the road a lot, she really is, um, you know, she's the rock. I mean, she's, she's with, with him all the time and she whispers stuff in his ear like you know you're you're good enough you're great enough we're always going to be here for you like she's constantly helping with his development and and giving him gifts that I never had when I was a kid well nice well hello girlfriend um you know so here's a shout out from your boyfriend you know amazing mom <laughs> and it's been international women's day so a double shout out well not recently Monday. but you get what I mean Yes, darling. Yeah, but they can't see you, though. So my little girl's got a first invitation to a birthday party. So she's three. So she's brought her card because she wanted to share it with you. But then she can't. She doesn't realize that she can't. No one can see her. We don't want the whole world seeing her. But yes, so she's brought her invitation card. So don't worry, baby. They can't see it. All right. All right. <laughs> No, yes, but seriously, right? Babies are easy. Toddlers, toddlers, oh my good lord, right? I'm at that stage where everything is why, and sometimes I just want to bang my head on the wall. But yes, anywho, so speaker, well, let's 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 put parenthood to the side for one second. Tell me about you know how you became the speaker. Uh it's a weird, weird journey. I didn't expect to become a speaker. I didn't know you even could become a speaker. I didn't know that was a thing until I was probably mid-20s. And the weirdest route, I think, I actually took a, a course or a workshop in stand-up comedy. And we went through this workshop. We were taught literally all we were taught is how do you adjust the mic stand and uh, and about this one comic that the person putting on the workshop loved then we the third week we went to a comedy club and we were told we were going to watch people entertain us only to find out five minutes to showtime that we were in fact the entertainers and so i found myself on a stage performing stand-up comedy 15 minutes after that and i bombed horribly like i i was terrible and uh the, and then i found out the mic wasn't turned on so i was telling these jokes that weren't going over and then we got the mic turned on i told the jokes again and they still bombed so i just had this horrible start and i kept performing stand-up though i kept going back week after week and then i discovered this thing called speaking and once i discovered that i realized it had all the things i liked about stand-up and none of the things i didn't so what happened was i kept doing stand-up but I did make the transition over to speaking so I kind of found it by happy accident I, I jumped on that stage performed stand-up and then discovered speaking and realized it was more what I was wanting to do and more my calling than comedy was in the first place and then the rest as they kind of say is history I guess that sounds that sounds quite interesting you know being an accidental speaker but then I guess you know I'm sort of quite still I'm still curious right you know so you found out that you could become a speaker you enjoy speaking but then how or when did you decide to, that you could become a professional speaker how did you go from you know bombing as a comedian to realizing that you can actually speak to actually taking it or making it into a career how did you how did you transition that the in terms of i guess the transition how it started i.e how did i figure out you could actually make a career out of it as i seen which a lot of people listening will probably recognize this name but i seen tony anthony robbins speak and you know he's certainly i i would say well on his way to be the the most famous and well-known motivational speaker and so i saw him speak and 
I hadn't, didn't know he was speaking for a living. I, like I literally, I saw his infomercials years before uh, on TV, but I didn't know that he actually spoke. And so when I saw him speak, I clued in that, well, I actually researched it. I Googled it, but that he was actually getting paid to speak. I thought once I heard he was speaking, I thought what he was doing was he was speaking just to sell his products. But then when I found out he actually got paid as well to speak, then I was sort of hooked. I said, what? You know, I mean, I can do what I'm doing on a stand-up stage uh, with an audience that doesn't have beer in their hand <laughs> and they're not heckling you and you get paid to do it. Wow. And, and I was already in business. So I was, I, uh, I had been in corporate sales for years. So I already had a business background that I could rely on for my talks as well. And so that was what made me realize it could be something. But then what happened was I went and sold my local college on the idea of why I should be teaching a sales course. They had never had a sales course there. And I think it's always, I always joke and say it was kind of appropriate that I had to sell them for a year on putting on a sales course. Like I actually had to do the selling to get the course. But um, eventually they saw the light and they agreed to bring me on into their part-time business studies program. So I was, became a business instructor for them. And I stayed there for five years just doing, and, and I say, uh, teaching. It was just like a weekend thing. It wasn't like a full-time thing. But what happened from there is that I started having clients that were coming to the course that would say, well, we have too many staff members to send to the program. Is there any way we could bring him in to come and talk to our staff? And so that actually, where that's where I got my first early clients was I was teaching at the college. So I was teaching that way and speaking. And then people would say, can we hire him privately? And so the college became kind of my first speaking bureau, if you will. And then, um, then it just started built from there. Once I started having a few clients, I would leverage those clients to get other clients. Like I would ask for referrals and, and or they would recommend me and stuff like that. So it really just started uh, as a grassroots thing. And I just kept building it from there. And eventually what happened was I started cluing into ways to find more leads. Like I would hand out evaluation forms instead of having the clients hand theirs out. And on the forums, I would ask a question, do you know of others who I should reach out to who would be a good fit for me? And so I started getting leads that way. And eventually it just became this momentum that started building and, and kept going from there. No, that, that is truly amazing. I mean, I'm quite, you know, I think the bit that I liked, you know, was where it took you a year to, to sell yourself, you know, to the college, but then to get you on. So what did you learn from that one year um, that it took you to, um, you know, for them to take you on? So, I mean, the first thing I learned, which is, is I think always important for somebody that wants to chase their passion and it's a, you know, and, and they can't jump into a full time is don't try to jump into a full time if you're not ready yet. So what I mean by that is it, I spent a year sort of trying to convince them. And during that same year, I was still getting my income from the sales career I had. So one thing I learned is the importance of having a back backup plan and having, uh, you know, having your ducks in a row so you're not throwing in the towel. And like, for example, if I would have threw in the towel and said, well, I'm going to go full time, I'm going to reach out to college, get a program, and then I'm going to find leads from there and, and continue that path. I mean, I would have quit on it probably three months in because... Again, it would have taken me still nine more months to sell them on it. So I would say, first of all, make sure you're not throwing in the towel and trying to start from scratch without having a cash flow backup or something to, to back it up. That was one thing I learned. And the second thing I learned is the importance of patience. You know, it's important to be persistent. So reaching out to them, reminding them that you want to put on the course, but also patient with them. 
And with, with the way their structure was, they only put on programs, I think it was once every, they announced them once a year, but I think they booked them once every six months. So technically within that year, it was really a part of it was, it really meant I only went two terms trying to sell them on it. They accepted it on the second term. So it looks like a year in real terms, but I had to wait after they turned the first one down for another three or four months. I kept reminding them I existed, kept reminding them I wanted to put on a course, but it wasn't like every month I, every month they were saying no. It was basically they, uh, they said no after the first proposal, and then I had to go back with a second proposal, and the second time they said let's do it. So yeah, so I learned about uh, persistence, I learned about the importance of patience within that persistence and also the importance of making sure that you have some sort of safety net at the same time as you're trying to convince somebody to come on board. That, 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 that sounds, you know, um, that sounds, you know, very, very sensible. Um, you know, I, I, would, I would say. So apart from speaking, what else have you done? I in fact, just released my 12th book. So I'm also an author. And so I, I've spent a lot of time, well, I guess a lot of time immersed in the writing process. I mean, I love writing outside of books as well, like articles and, and uh, you know, magazine pieces and stuff. But, but the books are something that I always, I guess, have a lot of pride in because I share this with a lot of people, but I didn't read my first book until I was 27 years of age. So mm -hmm. It's kind of ironic, I think. My mother said, I remember my mother said one time whenever I said, I, I'd love to write a book. And she said, I think you have to read a full book first. <laughs> so I, I was wanting to write a book before I'd ever read one. So how do you write something that you don't, you don't you never even experience? Uh, but once I wrote, uh, read the first book, which is, was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Once I read that book, then from that point forward, I, um, I was hooked. And I, and I started reading like three to five books a month. And then... From And basically, probably about, I think maybe four or five years after that first book, that's when I wrote my first book. And then, uh, and then basically from, you know, from that point on, I've probably written, if you averaged it, let's see, since 2010, I've written 12 books. So more than one book a year. Wow. So what genre do you write in? It's mostly, well, it's mostly nonfiction. I say that because I've written one, um, it, it's self-help, but mostly nonfiction. So I, I wrote one book that was a business fable, I'll call it or a parable. And that was the only one I wrote that was fictional at all. And the rest has been nonfiction. And I guess the genre would be mostly, you would say, call it either self-help or success or what have you. Um, so it's, it's really around what I spend my time doing. Okay, so now out of interest, because so I like learning from people because I always feel like no one person knows everything. So I always feel like a sponge that likes to learn from everyone. What was it like for publishing your first book? And what was it like publishing your 12th book? And how would you say you've grown from when you first published your first book to when you published your 12th book? Well, it's, it's such a great question. First book was very unique in approach and and I, I should add that the next four books after that were very similar so what they were is they were um i would almost describe them as a chicken soup for the soul for business people so basically what i did was i profiled a lot of leaders and shared their story in an inspirational way in the book so i might have let's say 50 business leaders that were profiled in the book it was called conversations with and so that book was 
I don't want to say it was easier to write, but the cool part is some of the interviews were done for the newspaper I used to have. Some were done for the radio show. So some of the interviews were already done. It was just a matter of polishing them and, and flushing them out. And then we added some new ones. But it was basically just like an interview format. Now, we didn't publish them all in that way. Like some were published as a, uh, you know, as a story, let's say, about the person. And some were interview format. But because of that, it, it made it easy for it to be my first book rather than having to you know, write 50,000 words as a story. So I think, first of all, um, I learned for me personally, the, by doing that and taking action that way, it allowed it to happen. So it allowed me to get it done. And then once I had the first one done, then, the, then it wasn't as scary anymore to do the next one and the next one and the next one. So getting the first one done, I think is the hardest part for most people. But once you get a book out, you realize that even if it's hard, it's well worth it. And then it gives you the motivation because like I said, it's like anything. If you climb a mountain, the first mountain you climb is always the hardest. If you make a million dollars, the first million is the hardest. So same thing. I think writing a book, most people struggle to get that first one press, finally press, you know, send, let's say, or, or press print and, and send it off to somebody who's going to publish it or whatever that looks like to you. So I think the first one, what it looked like was me just finding a way to pull the trigger and get that book out. And how it worked best for me was to take those interviews I had already done, add some new ones to it, and then that becomes the book. At the same time, it's also, there's a nice win to that or benefit because the people in the book now have a vested interest to want to share the book. And so uh, I had a lot of buzz around it by the people that were profiled in it. And then not only that, a lot of them wanted to buy bulk copies, you know, some multiple copies that they could provide to their staff or give to family and friends for Christmas. I also released it at Christmas on purpose because of that. And then on top of all that, we even brought on sponsors and we put together a full package that wasn't just about the book. We didn't have any logos or anything in the book. We didn't want to take the book and, and make it something that wasn't, but I offered different packages because I do talks in that where we would share their logo at the beginning of a talk or we'd have their logo on the website for the book. So we were able to get sponsors on. And what that meant was that we paid for the book before I ever typed a word. And so, uh, so that the first one, that's what that kind of looked like. It, it was totally unique, I think, from the normal book release process. And, and it worked really well. You know, so no, we had definitely, a, that sounds amazing, but it seems like you already have some experience though, because you didn't sound like a novice, you know, because I know you said you hadn't even written, you know, read a book, but then you're coming at it and you're coming at it like a proper professional. Well, I, I you know what I think for me, what, what sort of happened is that I, 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 this is what I guess really what happened is I had so many people tell me, oh, if you're going into the book business, you'll never make a penny. You know, don't think of it as a thing where you can make money out of it. Just go into it for the credibility of having a book and to, it'll open doors for you and get you speaking engagements. And I kind of took that as a challenge. You know, can you make money off a book? And I believe that you could at the time. So I said, how can I do it? in an innovative way that I hadn't seen anybody do. And then what I think also helped is because I already had a newspaper where I was selling advertisement and sponsorships, I already knew that side of it. So, and I've been doing that for the time for probably five years monthly. So I already put out like 60 issues and I was doing those kind of interviews for the paper. So I think what it really was is I took what I was doing with the paper and, and took it to a book format. And then at the same time, I'd listened to a lot of webinars by that point and, and, video training and stuff on launching a book. So I took what I learned there as well. And then, like I said, I took on the challenge of proving that you could make money from a book. And in fact, even make money before you ever 
hit send the book to the publisher. That so, makes a lot of sense. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, because like, I think I like to say this a lot and I think probably my listeners are tired of hearing it, but I'm an accidental author. And you know, so I was quite delusional. I was once I pressed publish on Amazon, I was there sitting down thinking, great, so when is my when am I gonna make my millions, right? <laughs> so obviously I had to learn the hard way. And I think a lot of authors are, you know, are in that. So you know, we don't not a lot of people go in like you just don't really know what you're doing. So it's quite refreshing to see someone, you know, who you know was intentionally or how like could I that intentionally wanted to be an author, but then also make it a success rather than, oh okay, I'm just going to publish a book and see and see what happens, you know. So okay, so tell us about your twelfth book. How did that journey pan out? What did you learn compared to what you learned from your first book? So it was it was interesting because I mean in in the real world terms, it was only I guess it's only what now? Uh seven years because it was launched in November of last year so 2017 so seven years from when I launched my first book maybe even a little less and so that doesn't seem like a long time but as you know in the publishing world right now that's like a lifetime and so there were a lot of changes already so I took a totally different approach again I guess I, I took a unique approach to launching the book from both what I did early on but also from what anybody else was really doing that I saw and so the only person I'd saw that did this new thing I'm about to share was uh, a guy named John Lee Dumas, who hosts the show Entrepreneurs on Fire. But he didn't do it with a traditional nonfiction book. He did it with a, a journal, like a, a journal that he was putting out there. And, and so what I'm getting at is that he launched his book called, or his thing called the uh, Freedom Journal through uh, Kickstarter as a, as a crowdfunding campaign. And so I'd seen him do that totally different type of book. His was more almost like, it was almost like launching a product the way his was. But I said, why can't I take my nonfiction book and do that? Like, why can't I launch it on Kickstarter and get a community built around it and see if I can uh, basically set a, set a funding amount that I want to raise with the help of friends and the community and, and crowdsourcing, and then see if I can actually uh, hit this target I set. So and this is all public, meaning that the Kickstarter still, you can still go and look at the page I set up at the time. Uh, so I think that was late, uh, sorry, November 5th or 6th, I believe, and set up this Kickstarter campaign and basically said, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's the book I'm bringing together and hoping you can help. Now I had the book written, but it certainly wasn't published yet. Uh, so all end result is we set a target funding of 5,000 or 6,000 rather for the book. So we wanted to raise 6,000 toward launching the book and by the time we were um closed the doors so it was about three weeks because i didn't start right when the campaign started i didn't start promoting until a week in uh, in about three weeks we raised eleven thousand, roughly uh so we doubled our, almost doubled our target and and basically what that meant in real terms is that we had done five figures in book sales in a month before the book was even out so i kind of did similar thing to what i did with the first book but in a new way and so that was, I found a, a really big success, but what it also did, which a lot of people might overlook when they hear that is it now built me a community that I could use for uh, ref, uh, reviews, sorry, uh, on Amazon, meaning I have now have people that bought thousands of copies of books or, well, it was, I think it was around a thousand, roughly in that range. Um, but now these people, hundreds of people, uh, I have as people who can share the details about the book after they've read it, they can do reviews on it. So I've actually built up this kind of street team with the crowdfunding campaign. And so then I did my actual launch 
on February 20th, it's less than a month ago, on Amazon. And um, the book was launched as a, a Kindle first, and that was not intentional, uh, and then a print. So why I say it wasn't intentional is February 20th was supposed to be the launch date for both print and Kindle, and then all of a sudden the print wasn't available. It didn't, it didn't, the page didn't exist. And that went on for a week. And when I finally was able to reach the right person, because I had two people that said, oh, no, you just have to keep waiting. And one person said, oh, no, I know what's going on. You, it, it's not clicked off saying it's available in, in the U.S. and Canada. So it was available in various parts of the world, but not in the U.S. and Canada, only because it wasn't clicked off. And so as soon as he said that, he said it should be up in 24 hours. The book was available in about four minutes. But we went a week where, where I'm supposed to be launching the print book and all these people saying, where's the print copy? So I held back on my launch a bit. But the end result was, which is really cool, is the book became a Kindle bestseller uh, right away within the first day. And then it today, to this day right now, last when I looked yesterday, it was still a Kindle bestseller. So it's, it stayed in the bestsellers list for about three and a bit weeks and still is there now. And then the print book came out about a week later and it made the bestseller. But so it was obviously meant to happen that way, but it was a big hiccup when you're expecting your book to be available and it's not for another week. Uh, but at the same time, the launch itself, I, I like to think was a big success. Uh, we have, I think now about 35 star reviews on uh, Amazon from it. I had James Redfield who wrote the Celestine Prophecy endorse it. And then there was a review written on a book site that compared it to The Secret and The Celestine Prophecy in terms of potential impact. And so we just had this great, I'm just going to call it this great uh, build up around it momentum that has been going around it. And so it's that we're still sort of in launch mode. I, you know, I'm on a bit of a, like a, uh, you know, one week break from pushing it really hard. But then March 26th, that Monday, we're going back in with I'm doing Facebook lives to promote it again. I have tweets going out around the clock. Um, we're putting out our show. We've been on a break for about a month. We're relaunching the show with three episodes a day for five days for that week. And, um, and on and on and on. I'm sending out to my newsletter and asking them to share. it. So we're actually going to go and do another push. Whereas a lot of people do their launch, get the book to bestseller and then leave it and then just move on. I wanted to keep it as a constant momentum. So yeah. And, and I guess I'll add in as well. The book's called the book of why and how, and it's basically helps people find their purpose or their calling is one part of the book. It shares the secrets that I've learned after thousands of interviews. And then it talks about how to do all this in a meaningful way. And then not surprisingly, given the way I started my first book, the back of the book is a bonus section that has about 400 quotes by other thought leaders. So similar to how I profiled other leaders in the first book, I still want I still love that community feel of having people have a vested interest to want to share it so that we all win together. And so this new book has, like I say, an entire bonus section dedicated to sharing the insight of other leaders. So that's what my, that's what my latest book looks like. Sorry, I, I, I had muted my thing because the little human, she's doing her little bit, but no, that sounds, that sounds quite, quite interesting you know it's quite quite educational i i think um i'm not even sure what to say now because it's like you've just covered everything you know most times i always tend to have um some other questions to ask but you've just covered everything i should just send you home now shouldn't i <laughs> <laughs> well and and like i said it's uh you know it's still new meaning it's still current, the, the book launch. So obviously it's all front of mind. If you ask me the question maybe a year from now, I may have to think it further through, but because it's, I'm still in, the, in it right now, um, you know, it's, it's all, all current. So it allows me to cover all aspects of what I'm still dealing with and what I went through with it. 
Yeah, no, that 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 makes that makes um, a lot of a lot of sense. So, do you like the journey of publishing a book and writing a book and all the after all the after work that goes into it? You know, to be honest, I, I share this quote often, uh, and it's a question question type quote. But I basically say, "What if the journey in life is really the destination?" Yeah. So what I mean by that is, so many people put so much stock in the destination, the achievement. Like, you know, once I get here, once I get that, once I retire, I'll do this. So everybody seems to focus on the, the destination and forgets about the journey. But my whole thing is we might, we're not even guaranteed the destination. We're not even guaranteed the journey. So, it, you know, if, if you don't know for sure you're going to have the destination, why not enjoy, enjoy the process? So for me, I enjoy the process of the writing, of the bringing it together, coordinate with other people, like in this case where I have some quotes in it. So I enjoy all that journey along the way, pre-promoting it, all that stuff. I'll tell you the hardest part I have, which is really a weird scenario. I have a bigger struggle and it's just the nature of my personality. I've struggled with this for years, but I have a, a trouble keeping it going once it's out because I'm already wanting to move on to what's next. So my bigger challenge is enjoying the destination now. It used to be I enjoyed the destination most, but once I started enjoying the journey, my bigger thing is like, okay, the book's out now, what's next? So it's even, so I made it a, a, made it a discipline for me. That's why I said I'm uh, doing another launch on the 26th. This will be my third sort of launch within the Amazon. And then also um, had the Kickstarter launch. So this is like four months now or whatever, three or four months since the book came out and I'm still wanting it to be a hot thing for me. And that's the hardest thing in the world for me is to keep pushing it because once it's done, it's, I have this tendency to want to just go, okay, it's done now, what's next? And just push the book aside and forget it even happened. So mm -hmm. I have a challenge with actually living in the moment of it being done and going, this is awesome. But then three months later saying, that's still awesome. Like I, I, like I said, it's just so, I'm so tempted to kind of go, okay, well, it's done now. Uh, as in a weird example, but I went skydiving a number of years ago and I expected it to be this big rush that stayed with me for years. And, you know, once you were done, it'd be like telling people, oh, I went skydiving and all this. And for me, the journey and getting there was exciting. And I was like, so pumped. I'm going to go skydiving. And the second I was done, I was like, that's it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm done. <laughs> and I talked to people that afternoon and they were asking me all about it. And I even had a hard time describing it because I'm like, yeah, but it's done now. It's, it's just, it was what it was and done. So that's, like I say, that's where my challenge is, is enjoying the destination as much as the journey. So to answer your question about, do I enjoy the journey of the writing and the whole process? Absolutely. I, I actually really enjoy that part because to me, then you're, you're creating something and it's not fully created until you're done. So I enjoy the creating of it. Um, I will say the same thing too. Like I put out CDs over the years, music CDs, and it's the same thing. I enjoyed the recording. I enjoyed the writing of the music. I enjoy all the stuff. And then I love have, holding the CD in my hand when the day it comes out. But the last CD I put out, I put in a music video and that kept me excited for a bit. Then I put out uh, uh, something else with the, the I released the song to the radio and that kept me excited. Then the song, uh, the album was uh, nominated for rock, rock recording of the year. And I was excited about that. But then I just dropped it and moved on. And I mean, that would have been the perfect time to keep running with it. But I had this challenge where I love the journey so much that the destination to me is an end point rather than the beginning. Mm -mm. Mm, okay. No, that that's um that's that's fair. So okay, now something that I'm quite interested in, and I'm sure you've um you've probably done lots of this. How did you okay, actually scratch that? Let me go back to my first question. Kickstarter and crowdfunding, what are you what is your aim for doing them? 
So my aim for doing it was kind of, well, I'm going to say multiple aims is that, uh, as you can probably tell, I like trying stuff that's innovative and then proving it can work. Uh, so one of my aims was to, was to test it, I guess you would say, and prove the concept. Um, but then beyond that, I guess for me, I wanted to book, just like with having the quotes in the back, I wanted it to feel like a community book and not just a Corey book. So you know, since the book already had quotes by other people, that kind of made it by nature more than my book. It made it everybody's book. And so I said, why don't I figure out a way to continue to build on that? And so the Kickstarter allows you to do that because now people are engaged. They're like, okay, I get to support this new project. And then tell people, oh, you wouldn't believe this new project. I just support it. On the same time, then they kind of get like, when's my book coming? So then they're, you know, they're asking questions and it becomes part of a, a community that way. We also, uh, you're able to, what I was able to do is put some other rewards in place. So I had things like video interviews that I could share. So basically it was like, if you support at this level, maybe whatever that was, five copies of the book, you also get this, this, and this. And so that was part of the excitement too, was to share those things and to know that even beyond the book, you're also helping impact their life in a different way. Maybe you share an interview with an author about how to write a book and maybe they want to write a book. And, and so now they get access to that in addition to the book. Okay. So I think it was for me being able to give them a lot, meaning the, the people that supported it, to be able to build sort of a community around it. And then at the same time, prove that it could work. And then, like I said early on, where people said you can't make money at books, uh, much like the first book, this book here already had made, again, a five-figure income before I had ever held a copy in my hand. Okay, okay. No, that, that definitely makes um, a lot of sense. Okay, so the last thing that I wanted to know was, um, how did you, so I know you've got the magazine, so a quick one again, and again, I, I wanna, I'm gonna get to the question, but then I get distracted. Um, how was the magazine that you were writing off with that you sort of leveraged with your first book, did you own it or were you working at it for someone else? I owned it. I had launched it in July 2007. Okay. And I ran it uh, as a monthly until about 2012. I don't remember the month. And then I, I still ran it as kind of a special sort of anniversary thing for another couple of years. Uh, but in about 2014, I fully moved away from it. But that, yeah, it was my publication and it was my second one. I had launched a similar one when I was about 19 years old as well. So what does the magazine, what does the magazine do? What is, what does, what is it, what is it features? What does it feature? Uh, so I, I guess it's how people would compare it the best is it's a magazine. If people have seen Success Magazine, it's like it, or you could say like Oprah Magazine for business people almost. Um, but, but essentially what the magazine looked like is similar to that book I mentioned early on. I was interviewing for at first local business owners and entrepreneurs and sharing their stories and their insights and what they've learned. And then eventually I, I started sharing national entrepreneurs, people that were known globally. Uh, but it started with local and essentially the magazine, the premise was to uh, help people reading it grow their business or learn from their success tips or get inspired. So that was kind of the why behind it. And it would be anywhere, usually from on the lowest side, maybe a 16 page uh, publication to in the highest, probably about close to 40 pages. And so that would be filled with inspirational quotes, interviews, profiles, 
and and the like, if you will. So, uh, and then of course advertisements. But we always had it. For me, it was always important to keep the advertisement less than the uh, editorial. So I think it was about a thirty-five, probably a thirty-five, uh, sixty-five split. So sixty-five editorial and then thirty-five ad sales. Um, so that's that's kind of what it looked like. And every month, it uh, it basically, if you look at each issue for the the sixty some issues, they all look pretty much the same format. Like we didn't change the format much in all that time. And uh, yeah, we, it was a great publication, a great experience. Uh, I would certainly do it again, but I also recognize that because of where I wanted to go, I could never really take the publication globally because you know print obviously has been a struggle in recent years. The market I was in, I was still doing great with print, but I found if I wanted to do much more with it, it was going to be a bigger struggle because there were a lot of nearby markets where print was basically, um, you know, it's, it's on its last legs. And I just felt that it was time to move away from that. But that, that's, I guess that sort of describes it uh, as best I could in a, in a quick answer. Yeah, okay. That, that makes sense, though, because then, you know, a lot of things that first-time authors struggle with is to how you know because obviously they're probably starting from scratch you know writing has not been you know especially because you find that more people tend to go for fiction than non-fiction whereas with people who use um writing especially non-fiction to leverage and get credibility for their um current work then it's sort of quote-unquote slightly um easier so how have you used your books your, you know to build on your email list you know have you done that at all yeah I sure have and, and something you just said there as well which is kind of interesting is even in addition to saying earlier I hadn't read a full book uh, even um, what's really surprising to a lot of people is even when I finished finished high school and and finished let's say for example um, my English courses that I took in high school I, uh, I left school and I didn't know the difference between fiction and nonfiction. And this is not made up. I didn't know the dif difference between the various theirs. Like I didn't know ownership. I didn't know, you know, it's with an apostrophe uh, T versus, I didn't know the difference between that uh, and, and regular it's. Uh, and I did, so I didn't know I was, I, my grammar skills were, were almost terrible in that respect. I mean, I was a good writer, but certainly wasn't a good editor. And, uh, and, and my writing left a lot to be desired in terms of grammar. So it's important to mention that, that that was a learned thing, which a lot of people I don't think realize you can learn, you can self-educate in that area. Anyway, so that, that was a, another hurdle, because you mentioned that about a lot of people, they don't have a paper to fall on. Well, the paper was a good learning ground, but at the same time, what happened, I worked with a publisher and an editor to some degree, they were a publisher and they'd help edit a bit. And that actually, they sort of helped educate me as we went. So anyway, I just wanted to clarify that too, because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't always just, you know, this guy's good at, um, you know, he's very strong with his language skills. Um, but uh, in terms of leveraging it to grow my list, I specifically launched three books uh, with the whole sole purpose for my list. And so uh, they were digital books, launched basically um, not even through Kindle or anything on Amazon because it wasn't even that far into it uh, but basically they were launched as digital books and I had a website set up where um, essentially signed up to get access to the book sent to you automatically as a digital book but I it was important to me that they weren't like the 10 page ebooks we see because I felt uh, the people that sign up for those probably sign, you know, they probably drop off pretty quickly after if they sign up for a 10 page ebook and then they're getting hit with marketing all the time. 
So I wanted it to be like a full deal book. So uh, all three of those digital books were over a hundred and well, all over a hundred pages. I think one was 200 pages. And basically I, how I built the list from that is I took some ads, but that's not really where uh, Facebook ads and that, but that's not really where I got my biggest audience or market. It was actually from the people that were profiled in the book being open to sharing it with their list because they knew I wasn't making money from off their name. Uh, nobody was making money from the book. It was all basically getting their insight out for free and the reader was getting all this great value. So the people in the book were happy to share it. And so what happened as a result of that is we added, I think the one I remember the most is the first one. Within about three weeks, we added about 5,000 people to our list. And and so, yeah, so I, I explored that idea as well, and it worked extremely well. And my next thing I'm exploring is the Amazon approach to that. So where you can launch a book for free on Amazon, and then there's a lot of websites where you can use to drive traffic to your free book, where people can download for free. Um, now, that doesn't get anybody on your email list because, you know, you don't get access to what Amazon, you know, Amazon has in terms of sign up. But what a lot of people uh, don't do, which I think you can uh, and I did it with this book, but you can actually have something at the beginning, let's say the first 10 pages that says sign up for the audio version or something like that. And then they can sign up to your email list that way. And then now you have them on your list. And I've heard conversions as high as 30 to 40%. So let's say if you had 10,000 people download your book for free, you know, if that means three to 4,000 people signing up. Uh, the reason that you put it in the first 10 pages is because people can review a book for free, the first 10 pages on Amazon. So What's really cool about that is somebody that may not even buy the book can actually review for free. And if on the second page they see they can get the audio for free, even if they haven't bought the book, you still have a chance of getting them to sign up to your newsletter list. So, and I'm just talking at the very bare minimum of this, but it's a whole business built around how you can do this and leverage it. And I'm just starting that now. So I'm not going to do that with the book that I was just telling you about because since day one, we've been charging for that book. I don't want to switch it from where somebody's paid, you know, $8 for Kindle or $20 for a print. And then, you know, all of a sudden say, Hey, but by the way, all the new people get it for free. Uh, so I have a new book that I'm working on and it's not going to be like a full launch. Like my other books, it's going to be a behind the scenes. It's about the speaking business. And uh, I do have a speaking program where I teach people to do what I do on the stage. So I'm actually putting out a book about that. It's almost done. And I'm just going to put it out as a, as a free book and a 99 cent book and just see where it goes from there. Build my list. Hello. Hello. Sorry. The line just seemed to cut off. I didn't get the last thing you were saying. Or did you finish? Sorry, just oh, maybe I finished. If you heard me say that uh, I have the new speaking book that I'm putting out and putting that onto Amazon and then uh, offering it for free at first, and then putting it up to 99 cents, and, yeah. then, and then letting it go from there. So that's, yeah, so that's, that's basically the next initiative, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm working on that in the background right now. Okay, fabulous, fabulous. Well, um, before I kick you out, just because the little human, she's getting um, hungry, so you can see, I'm doing, see, moms, we multitask. So whilst we're having our discussion, I, I'm getting, I'm, I'm sorting out little human as well. And we're doing octonauts and all the gazillion things that we're doing. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be kicking you out very soon. But okay, right. Give me, I like, I like five tips because I think five tips is not too long and not too short. Um, if someone else is starting out, how they can use an ebook to build their email list, you know, so that when they've got their next book, they've got, you know, an existing audience to quote unquote advertised to. 
yeah, so I guess if, if I'm looking at five tips, let me see. Well, um, the first one, and I guess I've shared this, if you think it's been a common theme that I've shared all the way through. Yeah. And not every book I've done has been like this, but the ones I shared today were, uh, but where I actually found a way to incorporate other people. So in other words, you know, having their quotes in, or maybe I, the other thing you can do if you don't want to have their quotes in is you can actually share insight you've learned from that just within the book. Uh, so that's one thing because then you get people rallying behind you uh, to help promote it. Um, and then I would add to that is to build a street team. So, and that's a whole, you know, Brett, that could, we could talk a whole hour about that, but basically the gist of it is uh, get people that are willing to support you and behind the book. And maybe that means starting a Facebook group and giving them a bunch of freebies if they're willing to share the news about the book. So that's the second thing I would do. So one, I would figure out a way to build a community around the book. And the best way to do that is to somehow mention the people in the book, because then they're going to want to share it with their list. That's a key thing. Uh, then I would, like I say, start a street team. Third thing I would do is I would approach joint ventures. So this may or may not be people in the book. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, a lot of people think a joint venture partnership means you have to give them a percentage. But with, if you're offering a book for free, they'll understand that you're not going to be able to pay them a percentage of nothing. Uh, so, and a lot of them will like the idea that their audience gets a free book. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with approaching joint ventures. And why would you do that? The same reason as the street team or the community, they'll give you access to a group you can't reach on your own. So that, you know, that, those are first three tips. Those are all about how do you get into a larger market than you could ever probably do on your own. Uh, on your own, I would say that you want to then leverage your social media following. If you have social media, then, I mean, obviously you're going to want to, once the book is close to ready or once you're promoting it, you're really going to want to find ways to really push it out there. Uh, one thing I found works really well is doing image quotes. So doing, you know, let's say quotes from the book. If you're the only person in the book and you don't include others like I did, then you can actually do quotes of yourself uh, from the book, little snippet, and then your picture there, and then share that out. And then when you're sharing it, I would ask people, right in your, your post, I would say, would love it if you'd like to share this with others who could benefit or what have you. Uh, so that's another thing, because these are all ways that you're going to get it in front of more eyeballs. And then, um, and then I guess if I go for a fifth one, I would say the fifth one is to write an amazing book. <laughs> you know, I left that part out all along, but if the book's not amazing, then the rest isn't going to matter. Uh, so work really hard to write an amazing book. And don't, like I said, don't skimp. Don't go, okay, well, I'm only going to give them this much because, or I'm just going to make it a 10 page book because it's easy to get it out there. Like people are, I think, tired of signing up for a book and it's being called a book and it's five pages or something. And that's not a book. Even, you know, 15 pages, in my opinion, is not a book. That's an, you know, maybe a, you could call it an ebook. But I would say make it like what they expect when they hear the word book and then put it out there. And, then the end result is they're going to want to help. They're want to get other people to more other people to sign up as well. But not only that, they're going to feel happy with the quality they got, which is going to make them more apt to stay on your list and listen to the other offers you have. And then I'll add a bonus one is once you set up that page, however you do that, whether it's your own page or something like a lead pages, which people can Google to learn more about that. But um, if you set up a page, what I would do is have sharing links as well. So that, you know, you say at the bottom, I'm so happy you decided to grab the book, you know, sign up here, grab your copy. And by the way, feel free to share with others who you think would love to grab a copy of a free book as well. So that's top of my head. I would say those are five plus a bonus tip. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you on the show. So apart from what you're working on now, once you finish that, what's next in line? 
Wow. Uh, so I mentioned I, I still have the speaking program and I'm doing this speaking book where, um, you know, I'm, I'm ideally going to add people onto my list who are also maybe interested in learning more about the program. Uh, so that'll be kind of, that's in the works now is the next. And then beyond that, the further next would be, I'm planning to kind of interesting what we've been talking about today. I'm planning to run, uh, launch a, how do you write and then leverage your book to grow your brand? So I'm actually planning to launch a program on what we've been talking about today. Uh, that I, I won't give a timeline for that. I mean, it could be six months from now. It's not on the immediate horizon, but I, I get asked, as you can probably imagine, more than any other question, how can I write a book and how can I get my market my book and get it out to an audience? So I think if you're getting asked by, by people the same question over and over again, you almost have a moral obligation to eventually serve that market. So that's going to happen in the future as well. Fabulous, fabulous. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Why am I smiling? <laughs> <laughs> the little human goes, why am I smiling? Because I've had an I've had an enjoyable conversation, haven't we, Corey? We sure absolutely have. See, and that's, that's what you're going to expect when you're, you're, your seven-month-old becomes three-year-old, right? It's going to be what and why and why and what. <laughs> I can't wait. Yes, but well, until next time, everyone. Um, oh, by the way, okay. So, what is the name of your latest book? Did we tell? Did you tell us that? I can't remember now. Uh, I I did, and if you want, I can I can mention the website too if people want to check it out. Okay. Uh, but the book is called The Book of Why and How, and so the website's super easy. It's thebookofwhy.com. Okay. One second, I can see an accident waiting to happen. Is there water in that cup? Yes. And then you're going to spill it all over my electricals. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you don't put it on the edge of the seat near the charger, do you? Yes. No, you don't. Yes, yes. sorry. So that's, that's the thing. You have to be able to have eyes all over the place. We've already discovered that part. <laughs> and you know like how you might, you might have a snail and you might see a snail one place and then you blink. And then the snail seems to have run a thousand miles. That's kind of like what children are, right? It's like you see them one place and you think, oh, yes, but then they're really little, they're small. Take it off. <laughs> Take it off. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you go so, so that when I bring the mummy voice, you know, there is no evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds That's, perfect. Exactly. You have to bring the mummy voice sometimes because at some point today, it seems like water is going to get splashed all over my electricals. Someone seems determined, very determined. Yes, but until next time, everyone, I need to go and focus on mommy duty. Um, it's the Shagulala Salami Show. Bye now. See you later. Have a great day. Will do.